Welcome to Theory for Turntables, the TFT podcast. I'm Matt, and that's Ryan. Ryan, if I was you, I'd want to be me too. Matt, my name is No. My sign is No. My number is No. <laughs> and uh, that is Cat. Cat, pour a glass and let's drink up all my champagne problems. I was in my zone before you came along. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Sorry to disturb you then. Uh, Kat, who is joining us for this Megan Trainer episode, is a longtime listener of TFT from back in the the teen soap opera days, the Gossip Girl days. Kat, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm glad, uh, glad, glad to have you. Um, you suggested this. Uh, this was a, not exactly an audience request because we were sort of thinking it was on the uh, the agenda. But you sent us an email uh, that was more or less a precy. It was more or less an abstract uh, from a paper of uh, issues that were were interesting to you on the Megan Trainer. Um, this Megan Trainer album, and uh, uh, you know, just off, off the top of your head, do you remember like one or two things that uh, that led you to think, "Hey, you know, this might be a good thing on TFT." I feel like it was basically just all of the trolling questions, like this Megan Trainer, is she for real? Well, yeah. let's not yeah, let's not get ahead of ourselves. I mean, you know, we. Still... I mean, I'll, I'll quote a few. Um, here's one of the good ones, uh, and we can put a pin in this one as well. Um, it, but is is Megan Trainer worse than Katy Perry? Is she worse than Iggy Azalea? Is she worse than than Taylor Swift? What makes her different? Uh, and, and and at that, I was hooked. Um, a, a comparative, uh, I, I think it's, it's, we're, we're well overdue for a, um, a comparative longitudinal analysis of pop stars. Right. Right. And, uh, you know, it's funny because we've, we've done, um, Megan Trainer once before, um, when the title EP was out, um, uh, in, uh, 2014, we celebrated the first anniversary of our music incarnation by, um, actually doing another comparative analysis of um, Megan Trainer, and then looking back a year earlier to Lord, to our first music episode. Um, so it's kind of striking that um, by introducing, in introducing Megan Trainer in this new album, it's already uh, in comparison to other um, other pop stars. And I think that there will be a lot to, uh, to, to say with that as well. But that really was part of what um, hooked my uh, attention, as well as... Um, uh, as well as like a number of other things um, about that you mentioned, I think you also mentioned some of our great buzzwords about authenticity and appropriation. So uh, you know, I had not been interested. You know, I have an arc. There sometimes there are arcs with an album. Uh, my arc was uh, I do not want to listen to Megan Trainer. Uh, I got your message. I I need to listen to Megan Trainer. I started listening to Megan Trainer and said no, I I don't want to. Um, uh, uh, you, you know, said you said to not Megan to Trainor. the ah to the no no no. No, but then there's an interesting thing, and I want to return to this. Like in the middle, and I'd be lying if I didn't, if I omitted this, is that there's something did happen at one point that really surprised me. As I was sitting, as, as I was at my standing desk, um, hating this album, I discovered that I was dancing, um, <laughs> uh, entirely, you know, not consciously, but my body was moving rhythmically, uh, uh, and it happened more than once. In just sort of um, spasmodic jerks. I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was, I, I, it was happening. It was, un, it was involuntary, and that is also interesting. Um, because I, mean, I was whatever you can say about the lyrical content, it's 
it's definitely catchy. It's the kind of thing that's it's the insidious kind of pop music. Yeah. That the longer you listen to it, the more you can tolerate it. It is definitely produced, right? Like there were producers and they worked in a room on this record to, together. Like it's a, uh, it is definitely an artifact that has uh, that has a certain amount of thingness. But let's not uh, let's not uh, belabor the point anymore. Let's free people to go listen to uh, to go listen to. <laughs> That's no kind of freedom. <laughs> <laughs> if if Megan Trainer is freedom, give me the chains. Right. Like <laughs> pop music fans of the world unite. You have nothing to lose but your Megan Trainers. Um, no, uh, lace up your trainers, as they say in the UK, and uh, and take a run with this particular album. You might like Ryan go through the five stages of Megan Trainer and find yourself spasmodically involuntarily jerking uh, on listen three or four through uh, thank you and and by the way we're we're talking about the there are various deluxe versions or bonus tracks the canonical album goes from watch me do uh, through champagne problems um, that's the that's where the normal tracks end and the bonus tracks begin so uh, let yourself listen to that uh, put this commentary on pause and you can come back to us once you've listened and after this brief word from our commercial sponsor. Are you trying to strike a balance between losing some pounds and a, uh, a staked out stance on body positivity? I mean, I'm ashamed of my spanks, but I own them. Well, might I suggest a no hater diet? Why, whatever does that mean? Well, it doesn't keep doing what you're doing. Do you, but just shut out all criticism. Oh my goodness. I I was uh I really thought I was uh, uh straying morally and doing all kinds of unkind things. And my priest told me that I wanted to reconsider my life choices. Are you telling me I can just ignore that stodgy old fool? The Catholic Church are some of the greatest haters of all time. So uh, just as uh, the paleo diet uh, abolishes all carbs, the hater diet abolishes – the no-hater diet uh, abolishes all haters. Wow. Thanks, no-hater diet. I can indulge my most sociopathic tendencies and no one can stop me now. Don't drink the haterade. Drink the (laughs) no-haterade. And we're back. Hey, Kat, I have a question. Shoot. <laughs> this uh this Megan Trainer with her uh her body positivity uh laughing that she can't touch her toes with her uh her watch me do with her uh if if uh with her nah to the ah to the no 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 her her ersatz feminism is she woke <laughs> starting in real heavy thank you <laughs> I, I mean, let me let I me say, she, yeah, you. Well, no, answer, but answer. I was going to try to give you a safety valve a little bit, but uh, by all means, go right on the spot. Listening to this, like I took so many notes. One of my notes was Tumblr feminism. I feel like that's a good way to describe a lot of this album. I feel like Megan Trainer has read a couple of articles. Uh, maybe spent some time on Tumblr. And she thinks she's woke, but isn't really. 
Yeah, I think that's exactly. I mean, like that is really. What are there? Um, that is. It's very interesting, right? That um, it's, a, there it's is... interesting to think of different social media services and like uh, Facebook feminism versus Tumblr feminism versus Twitter feminism and uh, versus you know, Instagram feminism. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and what it's Instagram they... feminism just like photos of your butt. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> well, that's I mean, that's the it's thing. Photos of butt with with Judith Butler quotes. Uh, it's it's Judith Butler. Uh, oh, oh! Someone make that Instagram account with just photos of butts and 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 quotations about gender performativity. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But butt selfies are are performative, if nothing else. I, here's what was behind the the question. I think that Megan Trainer took a lot of flack last year, or or uh, what two years? I guess uh, 2014 um, with title uh with the ep and i guess there was more music released around that ep or something when i looked on when i looked on spotify it looked like the um the uh long there was almost like an lp's worth of of material there uh for that dear future husband that title title give me that title 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 as though the title is something that the man has and can choose to bestow or not uh at his will um for the kind of the retrograde gender politics of of that and and I mean, it seems to me that there's a certain amount of image rehabilitation going on here, especially since this is the era of Taylor Swift and hashtag Squad, and that like. Um uh, especially with a song like "No," there's something you know. There's something very self-conscious uh, uh, about it. Um, uh, you know, in terms of kind of reclaiming the mantle, or, or re, you know, uh, assuming the mantle of some kind of some kind of feminism, and and hearing it derided as as Tumblr feminism is uh, is interesting to me because it gets at something that I suspected uh, about it. I mean, I feel like I'm not really the uh, a person who should be uh, criticizing feminisms, but I do have a sense. This is why I'm here. Well, <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, you're like the fig leaf over. Uh, you're like the fig leaf over the the structural sexism of of the society um the uh the uh that that they, they are good snapshots they are good reblocking of feminist memes uh that were generated elsewhere but that there there isn't really a coherent theory of it and it's not um it's not uh i don't know um uh, it's it's not uh really that deeply rooted in the in the kind of the the project of of the album so i'm glad to hear you kind of echo some of that cat i mean to take a mild digression aside from my great experience with pop music i come from more of a musical theater background and so to me she's telling stories but telling them the way bad theater composers do i.e. badly <laughs> it, it's are, like are there are there theater do... composers that she's like like is there a good comparison in the world of music theater of like megan trainer is the blank of of pop music i feel like you wouldn't know them it's just if you listen to a lot of like new composers and they're trying to do too many things all at once because they want to be lin-manuel randa but they're not there yet i feel like that's kind of where megan trainer is like she wants to say the thing that you want her to say but at the same time she doesn't really believe it and so i find songs like just a friend to you and hopeless romantic which seem more similar to her songs on title more genuine than 
some of her other songs like Me Too and Watch Me Do, where you have this war between like this crazy arrogance that seems like it would be more appropriate in a Nicki Minaj or a Kanye song. And this like, thank God I woke up like this or whatever the lyric is. Right. Well, okay. So, I mean, there are a lot of things to unpack in there. And so let's piece out, let's piece out a couple of things. First of all, A, I would recognize the musical theater uh, composers that, that you were talking, <laughs> that you're talking about. And, and I have Google. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but my, my, um, my feeling, uh, maybe, maybe you can send us some, some uh, YouTube links and we'll put things in the, in the, um, in the show notes, but like my, my feeling about contemporary musical theater is that it's been, it's been overtaken by a kind of twee piano, uh, uh, airsats, Jason Robert Browniness. Um, Oh my God! If you could count like how many times I'm listening to a score, and I'm like, "This is just Jason Robert Brown." Or yeah, but but poorly done, right? Without the without yeah. necessarily the virtuosity. That said, I don't necessarily want to get down on someone for being you know for being early in their career, right? Like there there are a lot of people, and and we've talked about albums, um, I, like where it's it's sort of developmental, right? Where the artist is sort of working something out, and uh, there's a great deal of potential there, and even though maybe the technique is not yet as whatever its height will eventually be uh there's there's something value uh, there's something valuable there i mean to me th- this is not this is not that because because megan trainer young though she is right is is uh, already an accomplished songwriter like say what you will about the the content of the songs on title they were they were well put together and they were well put together in a style that's that's like highly stylized and demanding in that sort of doo wop girl groupy um you know uh uh 1960s kind of brill buildingy uh style and that you know that's that's not nothing and i i guess she has writing credits on other uh on other people's work as well so you know she's a um uh, she is sort of a consummate professional in that in that respect. Well, I guess what I mean, what I find a, a little more worthy of criticism is that the the um, the political positions are not really for real, right? Like, are not that that they are that they are sort of uh, they're sort of posturing, and that like in the no, uh, for example, in the no video like the the sort of the the fantasy images it's it's still a kind of male gaze type video where the singer is being made available to uh the singer is being made available to the audience in in a way that is objectifying and you know uh it was pretty stock stuff with the the singer standing center surrounded by dancers and they're all they're all kind of dancing together while the camera sort of swoops around though uh actually good choreography in the sense that a a a singer who's not a dancer can do it look pretty credible doing it and the dancers can do it at the same time and it's neither too simplistic nor too complicated for um for uh for megan trainer to look good and so the 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 tumblr feminism or the whatever the whatever feminism seems to be seems to be only skin deep. Now the arrogance you talk about is just that's that's just millennials being millennials, right? Like that's <laughs> that's just late capitalism. That's just consumer culture. And I think we can analyze a lot about the dynamics of uh, of how that works. But it seems to me not particularly remarkable because oh, well, it's remarkable in that it's a feature of the music that we need to analyze. But it it seems to me to be kind of of a piece with her generation, you know, uh, and not necessarily a unique 
feature of her. I don't know, Ryan, what do you think? Well- no, so this is what's really interesting. I think this is what, uh, and uh, there's a few songs that kind of open this up for me, is that there's a number of things that are expressed in this album that are um, that are that are very generic and very kind of, um, you know, kind of could be attributed to, like, moments in time or everybody or generations, right? Things that are kind of commonly held things, but then they are presented as if they are a special, authentic, unique viewpoint, Right. And and I think that that's what's kind of really interesting. And actually, um, the, one of the songs that unlocked this for me um, and, and then I started to sort of see this throughout a lot of the album um, was is actually one of the bonus tracks. The first bonus track, Mom. Right. So here are the lyrics to the chorus of Mom. You might have a mom. She might be the bomb. But ain't nobody got a mom like mine. <laughs> right. And and so and it's this amazing kind of paradox, right? As you think about this line, um, where it's like like this kind of claiming of my mom is the most special mom is like the most generic, like universal idea uh possible. Like it's pretty much just been invented for use in Hallmark commercials this or, well, exactly. Yeah. And um there's a few others. What's the other one that felt also? But it's also it's true, it. it's true by definition, right? Like it's 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 tautological, right? Yeah, it's, it's true. It's yeah, exactly. Without and and this is an interesting. I mean, this is an interesting thing, right? Like that, like you can say a tautology as though it actually had semantic content, and yeah. have that be have that be something that you can sort of feel feelings about, like pr- pr- pride or or whatever. The other thing that I noticed about I, that, I lyric, love me. I love me is kind of like that as well, and will also be in ads for something. I mean, we we should do a pull of what I love me will be. In, uh, in an ad for uh, because ain't, it ain't will no, be in many. yeah in some in in something it's going to get licensed but ain't nobody got a mom like mine is not necessarily complimentary right like ain't nobody got a mom like mine that raging bitch you know is a totally valid reading of that of the ambiguity of that line uh now the verse I mean, is it's not complimentary to the mom necessarily but it's also not complimentary to megan in the way she's constructed it which makes it one of the weirder songs once you get like further into the album it's How like do you a mean? very dorky sentiment to be like my mom is my best friend Oh sure, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. Um, Definitely not. Yeah, reminds- don't let your don't let your squad know that. Yeah, exactly. The squad is going to be like, oh, like she's in a she's part of a mom squad. Never mind. Um, it also reminds me of that. I'll, I'll put this. Um, I'll post a video of this in um, to put in the show notes. Uh, but uh, it reminds me of a song by the um, the Scottish, I think Scottish punk band McCluskey, um, uh, a song called To Hell With Good Intentions. And part of the lyrics go say, my dad is bigger than your dad. He's got eight cars and a house in Ireland <laughs> it is one of the bra- there's a lot of outlandish uh, brags, but the the, the dad brag uh, compliment is, I think, you know, I mean, that is played for kind of over the top laughs. And it's only just like a notch o- more over the top uh, uh, than than Megan Trainer. Um, but again, I, so I just kind of want to kind of pivot back to this, this idea of trying to assert a kind of a uh, either a tautology or more broadly a generality as like this, this is my realness. Right. And then there's something really interesting there and and it's interesting because when megan trainer works i think it's in being almost in a 
almost in a novelty song space, right? That there's a kind of so I because I would argue that there are ways in which all about that bass was a was succeeded by being a novelty song. Um and we can kind of unpack that a little more. Um and and I think that one of the songs that I actually kind of like and find kind of um inter- the the song I probably find the most interesting and kind of like likable um, with square forming uh, scare quotes is dance like your daddy, um, which also is very novelty song in a lot of kind of classic novelty. I mean, it's a dance, right? It is. It, it has a bunch of dance moves that are um, over the top um, kind of caricatures of dance song. Yeah, it's, dance in, it's in the genre of dance instructional pop music, yeah. right? Yeah, 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 exactly. And, and there's something interesting about that. And it's weird is that these pieces um, and, you know, Kat, you shared with us a playlist of um, of kind of several kind of comparative songs. And one person who popped up in that playlist a few times was Katy Perry. And, and like these kinds of songs that have a novelty aspect, but also are expressing something, some kind of a perspective of the singer actually remind me of the song that kind of put uh, several of the songs that put Katy Perry um, on, on the map as a pop star uh, for her first hit. I kissed a girl um, also kind of California girls. Um, and then a f- I think that those two especially have these elements of novelty songness. And I think the videos um, for the Katy Perry songs um, ramp that up even more in some of the live performances. Um, but there's a sense of in doing that, it became less kind of broadly generic, less broadly kind of um, tautological or kind of um, um, like, oh, the, these just these plat- platitudinous, right? There's a lot of. I agree. Is, and I, yeah, yeah, go ahead. I yeah. think that's part of the, the tension that you're right. picking up on uh, the tautology and that kind of bo- body positivity and that generality versus this kind of. Um, novelty song aspect where it's like she's she's afraid of alienating anybody and uh i don't know dance like your daddy kind of works better because it's one of the few songs where she allows herself to be fallible and in the other ones i feel like she thinks she needs to be a champion for everybody and she's kind of like everybody agrees with this everything i'm saying right and the listener is kind of like, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like the tagline for all of those songs are like, share if you agree, right? Like, <laughs> like, like if you agree, share if you agree 100%, right? Like, leave a comment if you're not. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the tension, the, the big awkward tension for me in, in listening to the album is between the, the, I'll call them the strong songs and the weak songs, the sort of squad uh, positive love yourself songs, and the... Um, uh, and the the like the the romantic ba- the ballads uh, being um, just a friend being I guess the the uh, the biggest uh, example of them and and the, not a lot there's not a lot like what what does it mean to be strong and and fall in love and have your heart broken right like what does it mean to be confident and fall in love and have your heart broken it, I don't know it's not um it's not uh, explored on on the record it seems to be bimodal rather than being a, a single rather than being a single person a single personality. Um, who's sort of going through uh, all these different experiences, right? Like high experiences and low experiences and things like that. There's not uh, a ton of continuity um, 
it's not a ton of continuity to uh, to the persona, and in that sense, it is it is sort of Tumblr esque in that it's it's determined by um, it's determined by bricolage. Uh, I'm I'm interested in the comparison to Carrie, to Katy Perry, Ryan, that you make because like uh, uh, you you almost like. There was a time when Britney Spears was a novelty act, right? Like it's uh, sort of "Baby One More Time" and the video for that, and the the schoolgirl outfit and the braids and the whole thing like that. Like that, there's sort of a hook. Christina Aguilera was the same way with "Genie in a Bottle," right? That's sort of a, a novelty song. It's it's got a very sort of specific sort of sticky uh uh memorable lyric to it and uh, that is sort of emphasized by the hookiness of the of the swedish composers there um and and i sort of wonder if you have to go through that if that is kind of a necessary stage a little bit because are all are all pop songs are all pop song debuts novelty songs <laughs> well i think the successful maybe the successful ones are because it's right um uh with katie perry i kissed a girl and you know and again with her it's like also in the in the videos like the you know cupcake bras and whatever <laughs> Or uh, Daisy Duke's bikinis on top, which is not something I think that actual real people wear uh, in California. But uh, you know, I don't know. It's it's only summer now, so I'll I'll check on the beach and report back to you. But that unlocked firework. You know what I mean? It's kind of like achievement, novelty, achievement unlocked. You know, and that like you can go. Um, you can go. Uh, you can go on. Then now, the thing that Katy Perry has, the thing that Christina Aguilera has, uh, is you know incredible charisma and power as a performer. And to me, um, Megan Trainer doesn't really have that. Right? She's more uh, sort of stepping out of the the Brill Building in the manner of Carol King. You know, who is like. Uh, uh, do you remember a couple uh, a couple months ago there was a video online of um, Aretha Franklin singing Nat- Na- "Natural Woman" at the Kennedy Center Honors, where uh, Carol King got a got an award, and like Carol King, Carol King is actually like she's like a little embarrassing in how much she's she's into it. But like it's it's the difference you see sort of the difference, and if you sort of look for Carol King performing that song, the difference between a you know competent, absolutely competent performer. Uh, uh, and like pre- incredibly gifted uh, singer songwriter and a genius performer, you know, like because Aretha Franklin's performance of that song was on on a whole nother level. As the kids, uh, as a kid, uh, the kids say, it was everything, right? It was it was everything AF. <laughs> and right. the the uh, I think there's something to Megan Trainer like that here because like if this is her firework, like a I'm not sure she's earned it yet. Um, but uh, she doesn't have the skill set as a performer, uh, I think. I think her strength is not necessarily um, in, in being a performer. It actually may be more in writing because, like, there are uh, – whether or not the whole album hangs together, and I'm not sure it totally does. There are definitely successful moments of songwriting uh, in this, but the performance – uh, to me is where it's kind of a limiting factor, right? Like something that, that might keep it from really, really taking up, right? Like that, that, uh, and, and just compare, like compare, you know, just a friend, right? Like, um, 
when you say I'm just a friend to you because friends don't do the things we do, everyone uh, knows you love me too. Um, Compare that in your mind with Adele singing uh, Take Me By The Hand While We Do What Lovers Do. Uh, Sort of a similar lyric. uh, Sort of a similar lyric, sort of a similar song about a, you know, uh, a relationship that's on the rocks or is not really definite or is on its way out or, or, you know, whatever. Um, And and just a similar lyric, like, friends don't do the things we do or do the things that lovers do. Uh, And how... Adele's performance sells that whole ballad um, just it, it, like just sells it <laughs> AF, right? And uh, uh, the the Megan Trainer version doesn't quite take fire like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's interesting. I, I'd love to kind of hear um, uh, Cat's take on this too. I, I do think there's something interesting about this Megan Trainer as like being in kind of an in-betweenish space where she is a songwriter and has like songwriting chops. Um, and, and um, I think that part of that is like leading her to like, there's a consp- as a like major pop album. Right. And this is, um, you know, the album I think, landed at um number three on the on the album's chart and i think i had misfortune of being um released in the shadow of um both drake and beyonce um but kind of hit number three um the singles have um uh, i think the the first single um i think also peaked at three on the hot 100 uh the second one is making a run and we'll see if it can kind of um you know, successfully joust with, I believe it's right now, uh, Drake is still atop the, um, the singles chart, uh, as well. Um, and so like, this is a, a popular album. These are popular songs. Um, and it's, it's striking. I want to kind of call attention to, this is a, a, you know, album that is making runs at the, at the pop album and singles charts without, a, without Max Martin, right. Without Diplo, um, without, well, um, I feel like, I feel like the spirit of Diplo well, is but- on this record. Yeah, yeah, no, no, but I, but I think that that is still. I mean, it, it's an interesting thing, though, right? That, um, you know, Adele has her Max Martin song. Katy Perry has her Max Martin songs. Um, you know that you know Taylor Swift for sure. Um, and so that there is. I mean, I, I mean, there's one, I guess, interpretation is like this is the low rent version, um, but there is a sense of like I'm I'm doing it myself, and even if uh, in doing it myself, there's a kind of uh, adapting um, each of those. I mean, there you see, you, there definitely are pieces of Max Martininess all the way back to early Max Martin, right? There are um, elements um, on um, I think on No that have like there's like little bits uh, that that are reminiscent of of Hit Me Baby One More Time. Um, there's little bits of, especially of Diplo, kind of the crop up. A lot of the kind of um, the the world music, the kind of uh, Caribbean music pieces that pop up are very kind of remind me of of, of trying to recapture some of the major laser lightning in a bottle. Um, but there there is a, a sense of there is a um, I, you know that there is a lot of you know feeling confident enough uh, uh, as a songwriter and as kind of having production and songwriting partners um of of not needing some of those big guns um but as a result it kind of comes up off as these kinds of this generalized version of this and it's, it's competent it's polished but i can much like in the way that many of the lyrics are these kinds of broad and plat- platitudinous um a lot of the the music is um as as well um and so that um I, I think that that's that's actually um, yeah I, I don't know I, f- I feel like that that is is um, something kind of interesting that's going on here right 
Kat, you want to jump in before we uh, we uh, switch to looking at uh, looking at some lyrics? Where do you uh, where do you come down um, in the sort of singer songwriter uh, area that we've been talking about? Sure. Well, a lot of the singer songwriters I like are in a kind of poppy vein, and I do think they have claims to legitimacy both because of their songwriting skill and some vocal prowess. I mean, Sarah Bareilles, obviously a great singer, but also like Taylor Swift, who's kind of come into her own. Um, but they're kind of different from Megan Trainer because I think of the claims that they're making. Again, I feel like Trainer is is posturing in a way, and the message doesn't really fit the kind of songs that she's writing. Or she's writing these songs and not really acknowledging the character that she um, reflects when she steps out on stage. So, for example, if Taylor Swift sings Shake It Off, you know about all the tabloid rumors that are going on with Taylor Swift. And when Megan Trainer sings a song like Me Too, you're like, but why, Megan Trainer? Why do I want to be like you? It just comes off as very like hashtag blessed, humble brag. It's like all this ego, and you're not really sure where it's coming from. Well, that's an interesting. It's an interesting point because the the uh, you can't not import a lot of what you know about the people's lives outside outside of the work, and is sort of this idea of personal brand and sort of a kind of 360 degree omnimedia approach to pop stardom has has uh, you know. Um, arisen, right? Uh, the uh, the uh, the Taylor Swift model, where like we know who she's dating, right? Like we know who she's kissing on a beach in California. You know, we know who the song. Ding ding ding! Are. Tom Hiddleston. Oh, excellent. Uh, uh, right. That's so so that like so in a way. Uh, what, what you're saying, Kat, is that Megan Trainer is not a big enough, a big enough or well-known enough star to be making some of the claims that she's making in the lyrics on her record. Yes, uh, to make a Gossip Girl comparison, I feel like she's Jenny Humphrey jumping for the throne, and she might have like some songwriting prowess, but she's not really there yet. And you're just kind of like, little Jay, you're gonna get torn apart. Yeah, exactly. She's just going to be embarrassed at at a gala, um, you know, uh, at the at the <laughs> Met, you know, and and and, uh, and and she'll just be standing there uh, in the rain. But then Nate will come up. I, I, okay, yeah, no, I, I'm not going to go into writing Megan Megan Trainer Gossip Girl fan fiction. Um, but it's it's. But I definitely... feel like Megan Trainer would be writing Megan Trainer Gossip Girl fan fiction. <laughs> oh, burn! That is a sick burn. I mean, I think that it's interesting to think about kind of um, the character of Jenny Humphrey, the kind of outsider uh who was kind of vying for the social status and i think that something you see in that character that i think is consistent with what you're saying about megan trainer is that there is a kind of like inconsistency that there's a lacking of internal consistency right so that what you uh, or of, of kind of in other ways of kind of on the consistency of kind of brand message or on brandness right so that for taylor swift there's a lot of being um on brand right and so that the the songs um largely do not contradict one another um and then they they even if they're not all about one thing they're not all necessarily a concept album or telling the same story they're part 
part of some kind of um, a whole of this is who Taylor Swift is. And those interact with the songs on a given album. And it it may evolve over time, but the songs on 1989 are kind of um, consistent with a a particular period uh, in in the public perception of Taylor Swift. And that kind of aligns with several other kind of narratives uh, outside of the music. And I think that even within this album, there's a lack of that internal consistency. Um, and, And you kind of see that in the the Jenny Humphrey character, who's a little younger, a little less established, a little more striving. Um, she, she, she. I mean, there's a period where, right, where she's like a fashion designer, then she's a drug dealer, uh, you know, and and she, you know, is, dates most of the male protagonists that aren't her brother, um, right? That like that. There's a lot of this um, that that you know. The, the, there is a definitely not a sense of of like of and it's it's unclear whether it's and I've seen some of the reviews um say this as well of whether it's is there not a sense of what the the kind of narrative is to be consistent to or is there just like a kind of a lack of kind of adherence to that um and and I it's I guess it's it's kind of impossible to tell but they both amount to this sense of being internally inconsistent and again I think that's that and this is something that you've pointed out and maybe there's um some specific songs to um. To to, to to zone in on that um, that showcase this um, that there are a number of times where the songs kind of are pointing in different directions and and in different directions with each other and with things that we've kind of um, heard from uh, from title right and from I mean, um, all I, about I that place right it's entirely um, I mean I think it makes sense that there would be that kind of push pull like just cuz a song isn't successful it doesn't mean it's not necessarily representing an authentic viewpoint like maybe she does kind of feel two different ways and that's why it's reflected in all her it's songs. True. That's interesting. Yeah, so like we should allow for potential ambivalence. <laughs> like the ambivalence of that silence. Uh, um, let's jump into actually let's jump into actually looking at at songs and like one thing I'd like to sort of talk about uh, a little bit is is the I mean the uh, I guess the single right which is no um, but uh, but uh, unless there's a, a different place to uh, unless there's a different place to to talk about right like no to me is is a kind of a, a rejection a refutation of title right um, where the the uh, uh, rather than asking uh, asking for uh, she's she's rejecting and and I think that it's not. It's not necessarily an improvement, right? Like politically, uh, over over the gender politics of of title to be, uh, you know, to be sort of a rock, uh, to be an island, right? When right when Paul Simon um, wrote those uh, wrote those lyrics, he had the good taste to highly ironize them and to realize that that, that you know, uh, being a rock, being an island, saying no, uh, saying not to the ah to the no 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 um, <laughs> is a mixed blessing uh as as far as it uh as far as it goes and it's it's like the idea uh, because the verses are so it's just because the verses are so um 
uh, mean spirited or so kind of uh, a- aiming at, at ridiculing the the imagined person who's making who's making unwanted advances. Now, this is not to say that there's not a good song in uh, unwanted advances. Not to say that that's not a sort of like you know entitled broy dudes thinking they are entitled to your time is not something that like every woman deals with uh, all the time. Um, but it's uh it is to say that that i think that by being so by being so polarized by being so focused on sort of turning the tables and like i think it's cute and i think it's so sweet how your friends how you let your friends encourage you to try to talk to me or um uh, you know going on sort of blah 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 uh you know and and the kind of the 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 insistence the kind of the the hammering on like my name is no my sign is no my number is no you need to let it go you need to let it go you need to let it go uh you know though i suppose i suppose it's a frustrating experience uh and and uh perhaps slightly scary if someone uh doesn't take no for an answer um is this where i jump in so you can stop supposing but, I don't know. Yeah, T- tell me, tell me how you uh, how you shut down all the guys in the club. I mean, it's not the biggest problem. I do live in New York, so I'm not a stranger to catcalling. But you can pretty much just ignore it with some mean mugging. Uh, but yeah, I feel like Megan's kind of in my lane. Like catcalling is not the biggest part of her life, and so part that's part of why this song feels kind of not so genuine because it's dealing with the same platitudes that the other songs deal with like she's just imagining what pickup lines would be i don't remember the last time someone asked me what my sign was so you so you're saying that megan trainer is neither famous enough nor hot enough to hold the opinions that she holds oh see that feels mean <laughs> And that was part of the paranoia that I was going through the first time I listened to this album was, would I feel better about this song if it was coming from another person, especially at her size? Like, is it my bias that I think she's not pretty enough because she's closer to plus size than the generally skinnier singers that we generally see in pop music? But then I listened to the song's that are on my Spotify playlist and I thought no it's actually that they're much better yeah um, you thought you thought not to the high cat falling <laughs> Uh, oh you're gonna do yeah. that yeah yeah do, go, do, do it one more time Matt do it, you, do it one you, more. you thought not to the ah uh, to the no 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 <laughs> I did I thought you know what there's Kate Nash's rap for rejection and the pussycat dolls I don't need a man and Lily Allen knock them out there are much better songs talking about this. This is just not a great version. I guess that pop lives... It's kind of like fake female empowerment. I guess pop lives in this kind of polarized space a little bit where it's... um uh, where it's sort of all or it's all or nothing. It's like uh, you know, completely squad squad power, like ladies' night out, uh, or completely like uh, completely head over heels in love, or sort of completely heartbroken. And it might be uh, might be asking a little too much to do the uh, uh, it might be asking a little too much to do the the kind of subtle. Um, to do the uh, subtle thing, Ryan. Where where do you feel like going lyrically a little bit well, on on the songs? 
I mean, I have, a, I have a quick one on on this because um, I, I actually think – I mean it's not even that – you can kind of criticize this song without even saying that um, Megan Trainor is not hot enough to get hit on. I think that there are experiences of her uh, um, uh, uh, experiencing kind of unwanted advances, um, and there may even be an actual sentiment um, or, or set of experiences uh, or, that she had or that friends have had um, that inspired this song, um, but this is kind of this feels divorced from them. And I, I agree with Kat completely that the line about kind of um, asking for the sign uh, is, is the clue that like she has somehow time traveled to like the 1970s or something like that. Right. And it, it feels, um, it feels dated um, in, in that way. Um, and, and, and not like dated and kind of, uh, th- that is a marker that this is like it's it's just it's like that idea of of guys asking for the sign is like it's like it's a a so many levels be like away from um actual modes of kind of harassment and kind of um lack of respect of personal space that it then um there, there's nothing to grab onto whereas I think that there probably it, you know there may be something that inspired this and again I think that um the uh the the rap uh the rap for rejection is a good example of there being a lot more specificity um there or the i mean L- the lily allen's knock em out or any lily allen song has a lot just like so many more even without kind of naming names like the, the there's a often a lot more of a a painting of a picture um and a much more kind of specific barb that feels a little more um lived in and i think so that that is kind of where it's it, that is the clue that kind of makes this um a little um a little less um uh believable um but i would like to um well that's i mean what's your what's your sorry let's go to where you want to go next but what you're talking about is an experience that i had a lot with the title ep as well where something like something appears to be one thing but upon further consideration is is something something else and the the just as you sort of describe you know there's this sort of rejection of harassment or there's this rejection of unwanted advances um but uh the the way that the rejection is worded uh makes it right makes it clear that these are not actually that these are unwanted advances from the 70s right um now there is kind of this throwback uh retro aspect to a lot of megan megan trainer's work and so maybe it's just classic right but uh but the the uh, the other one the the one that uh, that always struck me was um uh, from all about that base, where it's you know, uh, uh, my mama she told me don't worry about your size because boys like a little more booty to hold at night. Um, it's not don't worry about your size because you're you're uh, you're beautiful the way you are uh, because the approval of boys doesn't matter uh, because self esteem is something that you should get from your own accomplishments. It's no no no. In fact, your secondary sex characteristics are more attractive than all the skinny girls' right. secondary sex characteristics, and so you fulfill even though no one admits this you fulfill uh the sort of the uh un unas- the sort of unuttered dreams of the patriarchy better um than all the skinny girls work in that photoshop uh do that or those magazines work in that uh uh that photoshop and whatnot um uh just could going po- just going on that. those lines to look back at the lyrics i think it's what ryan was saying about um I think it's so cute. I think it's so sweet being so demeaning. And then her, I mean, she's, she's painted this picture of this, this guy who needed his friends to talk him up 
to even approach her. And then she says, let me stop you there before you speak. And I think that's one of the biggest um, issues with this song, that he's not really done anything to her and she's cutting him off before. And it, it doesn't really feel like the sentiment of someone who's so positive, theoretically, for other people. Ryan, you want to take us into the ballads or you want to take us into the dance music? I want to take us to champagne problems. <laughs> yep, that one was definitely going to come up. Um, and it is it is interesting. It, it, it does, I mean, like... I, mean, I guess it's a question that I was going to ask. One of my many questions is: Does does Megan Trainer have champagne problems? <laughs> um, and 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 because this is an interesting song, where it, it is in reading this, you know, <coughs> I think it's she like, doesn't really have champagne problems. She has like, you know, I don't know, like a mid, like a. $17 bottle of Pinot Grigio problems. Maybe know? I'm still on that high <laughs> hater diet, but my question would be what brand of champagne is this? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it's probably not uh it's probably not champagne. It's probably a like a uh, uh California sparkling wine that she just thinks is is champagne, right? Because the the, the <laughs> <laughs> oh, <man>. because, <laughs> because because you're you see a hater and she is not consuming you. <laughs> <laughs> Let me mansplain. Champagne has to come from France. The the right because like her yeah, yes, they are sort of first world problems, but yeah, like, it's like her Uber's late, her shoes hurt, she forgot her jacket. Yeah, you know it's she... a you know it's a champagne problem, right? The the chauffeur who drives my Bentley, uh, you know, um, has you know, I don't know, like uh, died disappearing a dead hooker for me, and so I have to hire a new <laughs> I have to hire right. a new chauffeur. Right, right, right. There's oligarchs, a girl problem. Exactly. Champagne. We're all oligarchs here right we've all got champagne problems hey you know it's hard being an oligarch uh these these are just sort of these are just uh uh you know upper middle class uh problems not not exactly um not exactly <laughs> champagne problems yeah, uh, no but I, th- I think i was starting to say this and and i was i was shouting Stuart lee quotes over her uh that, that there is something this reaffirms the jenny humphrey theory of megan trainer right is that you know, um, Jenny Humphrey wants to believe that she has the champagne problems, that she has the problems of the Upper East Siders, but she is like much more has the problems of a kind of upper middle class person kind of trying to play in that world. Um, and, and I think that that is a lot of what these problems are, right? These are the problems of kind of mass luxury, of of kind of problems of disappearing middle class, right? Um, and, and I think that... that and unlike I think the that, cast of Gossip Girl, one of her problems is her iPhone, which they obviously didn't have for too many scenes, or we wouldn't have all those possible problems. No, no, right, because they, they had all of their... They, well, they also had all of their, like, um, like product placement, um, like Windows... Yeah, <laughs> Windows. Microsoft, yeah, exactly. Windows phones or... or... Yeah, Microsoft phones. So th- actually, they had bigger. They were worse off. That's one point to Megan Trainor. Right. By the honest. by the way, right. The iPhone, like the iPhone, is the most expensive consumer item name checked in this uh, <laughs> in this song. Right. Like these aren't I mean, these aren't these are diffusion line problems. You know. Right. These are- exactly. 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 No. And but I think what's interesting is that like. 
yeah, it is. It is interesting of wanting to. It, it it's this thing of of kind of trying to equate that with kind of first world problems in general. Like, and then it's, I think what's really interesting, right, is she says. I can't complain at all. But she doesn't follow that by saying, because I'm very privileged. Right. right? Exactly. Um, exactly. She says, life's too short for that. It's like, no, that's not why, the reason why you can't complain. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, you can't complain because you're very privileged and the things that you're talking about aren't that bad, right? Like, even if we bracket out uh, all the people who don't have your privilege and just consider the world in which you, uh, in which you live in, right? Like, these aren't champagne problems. They are minor. They are, like, you know, I don't know, Martinelli's sparkling cider minor inconveniences. <laughs> Well, and they're they're not even they're 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 not even problems, right? And and it's it's like disingenuous to present. I feel like these are like who actually. So I think that the other thing about this is that, and I guess I mean it is interesting because right there, there's one way to read this. The more charitable way to read this is that this is satirizing people who complain about these kinds of things, but like. I, I think that they're like we're we're kind of past that that discourse. We're several layers past that discourse of like these things exist, and yes, people might complain about them, and then people might say first world problem. I know, but again, like these things, these are human. We've talked about this before. These are these are human problems, right? And by kind of calling this out of like, Ugh, like it, you know, what's the real privilege? Like the real first world problem is the feeling the need to have to like like call out like your your the the. the that thing, right? Um, like they're like the uh, like pointing out your privilege or not is 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 one place where privilege resides. I mean, it's, it's many many layers, right? So, like, um, there's a certain sorry, uh, there's a certain amount of insecure. There's a certain amount of insecurity in it yeah. as well, right? Cat, what were you about to say? I, oh, I think like part of that insecurity is the reason you're pointing out that privilege is you kind of want, again, as I've said with a lot of the other songs, you kind of want everyone to back you up on that. Um, She kind of still wants to be relatable. So she wants to have, like, champagne problems of, like, the rich and famous. And at the same time, she wants to be like, doesn't it suck when your iPhone dies? Right, guys? Yeah? Everyone? No one? Okay. Sheriff, you agree. (laughs) (laughs) TFW, your iPhone... Uh, your iPhone dies. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's interesting. Like she'd actually. I mean, maybe like maybe a more kind of every person, every every woman persona might be more uh, what what works for her rather than the kind of so over the top, uh, you know, ostentation and uh, bombast. Um, let's talk a little yeah. bit before we pull what- out. Yeah. It would just be interesting. I mean, because like when you were saying that, like someone who kind of has much more kind of every woman problems and owns them is like Casey Musgraves, right? Um, I mean, and and it's it's they they live at kind of opposite poles, but that doesn't need to be the case, right? Um, And obviously, Casey Musgraves works in a kind of in and uh, both both within, but slightly on the periphery of kind of um, country music. But there are other ways that Megan Trainor could position um, that 
would kind of play to some of these strengths rather than kind of um, accentuate kind of some of the weaknesses. Right? I feel like pop music is rife for a sort of populist revolution, though. You know, like we've been we've been extraordinary. Are, are you saying that pop music is ready to be made great again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, the thing is, I, I don't want her to just be a singer songwriter and to like banish herself from the pop music vein because those are the songs that you know sound better like when you listen to songs like better wow (laughs) it sounds like a lesser sia or really like selena gomez like when it came up on shuffle today i was like oh that's a selena gomez song no wait that's a megan trainer song because it sounds so generic or like kindly calm me down or just a friend to you which sounds like that colby calais jason mraz ukulele song like no i don't want to listen to that either (laughs) No, no one does. Sheriff, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you agree? I don't know. Uh, Jason Ross, Sheriff, you agree? <laughs> okay, I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be. I'm definitely not going to be the one guy on this podcast who admits that he kind of likes that that Jason Mraz song that 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 love song thing that everyone plays all the time. Um, Let's talk a little bit about Dance Like Your Daddy. And I'd like to, to use, I mean, uh, I, I'd, I'd like to use this into a, I'd like to use this as a, a springboard into talking about something that we haven't really uh, gotten into. But it's, uh, b- but the issue of sort of uh, performance of race and of uh, a cultural, cultural appropriation, right? Um, the, uh, the, uh, the thing, the interesting moment of this, where well, I'm trying to find it. Um, oh, there it is. Uh, yeah, we're in the chorus, uh, you know, the, after the dance instructions, you push down that flow and shoulder roll, shoulder roll, blah, 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 hitch to the left, to the left, to the right, to the right. Can you overbite? Can you old man overbite? Simon says, go touch your nose. Megan says, touch your toes. I can't touch my toes, right? And so she has this sort of badass delivery that that I would argue verges on sort of urban music racial caricature in, you know, touch yo toes uh, kind of stuff. And then <laughs> laughs and t- says like a valley girl, <laughs> I can't touch my toes in a more in a, a, a more like suburban sort of dialect uh, sort of sort of thing. And so it and. And it has the the kind of the the uh, badassness and confidence versus the the self deprecating kind of um, giggling uh, admission has such a like a, a breaking character uh, vibe to it. I mean, it's a constructed moment, but the moment that's constructed is a story of kind of breaking character and the way the voice shifts for me in that from like you know, from, uh, pop music. Um, this is, I mean, this is sort of a Diplo song, right? Uh, this, this one, um, uh, th- from that that sort of d- d- w- maybe even world musicy delivery into like sort of giggly suburban white girl delivery, to me that's like an interesting interesting moment in um, interesting moment in performativity. And I think there's there's like racial appropriation, but it's second order appropriation because it's like an appropriation of Diplo's appropriation of. Uh, 
of uh, you know d- different kinds of authentic uh, authentic music. I mean, d- does that does that point make sense to you, Ryan? And did you feel anything similar about this tune or any of the other tunes on the album? I mean, yeah, I think it is interesting. I hadn't actually noticed it as much with this one, but especially as you kind of we we mentioned earlier how this is like a dance instruction song, and the way that you kind of point out the chorus, uh, it is reminding me that it's like things like um, "Da Dip" by Freak Nasty or "Come On Do the Train" by uh, Quad City DJs, right? The the '90s kind of dance songs um, that are kind of connected to um, like bass music and kind of um, booty bass music, um, kind of these various kind of um, regional. African American dance musics, um, and 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 uh, that's connected there, uh, and and the kind of well, just um, the, like the, the she's been a duop. Megan Trainor's been a duop act early on, right? Which is yeah. uh, uh, in Watch Me Do. She like uh, specifically channels James Brown in the in the yep. Watch Me, ba, 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 da, you know the. And she the, says it like it feels so good, like James Brown in his day, which was a very weird line. Like like James Brown in his day, yeah. I'm not like the old broke down James Brown. I'm like the the like virile prime of his life, um, James Brown. Uh, you know a little bit, and and in into some of the songs in this that sound like um, sound like uh, the the R and B that was around when I was a teenager, like in Vogue or yeah. uh, uh, even some like Mariah Carey kind of kind of stuff that just I was aware of when I was uh, when I was in my teens. Right. Like that, that the 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 kind of deck that she's drawing from. Right. Is the the uh, the like the black American musical tradition and and world musical tradition, I guess, via via Diplo. And that like, I guess that's where all culture gets gets stolen from. But it seems particularly egregious to me uh, here, or at least I I noticed it in particular uh, with some high points here. You know what I mean? I mean, I noticed it, it. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I just small point. I think part of it for me is that she doesn't bring any skills, so to speak, to back up that allegiance that she's kind of invoking. So it feels unearned. Like she'll bring up James Brown and she'll do like these pseudo do up songs, but she doesn't sound as good. Where you compare someone who like Ariana Grande, who I think is of Italian descent. Um, but she can sound like Mariah Carey or uh, Christina Aguilera with her whole throwback album. But she has this amazing voice. And then you have Megan Trainer trying to do the same thing and it doesn't work as well. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and in a similar way, in some of the more world music incorporation, uh, you know, it's like like well, Diplo went to Jamaica, right? <laughs> like you know, and, and like he at least was like you know, yeah, there may be a neo colonialism there, but he was he wasn't outsourcing it, <laughs> um, he wasn't copying the the neo colonialists, right? Like you know, Paul Simon went to South Africa, like uh, and so like uh, there is a kind of appropriating the appropriators, right? Um, um, and and I don't know if that is is like I, it's interesting this kind of thing of like it's like well what if you steal steal a like someone what, what if you like rob somebody's house and steal something but that thing itself was stolen <laughs> does do 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 two appropriations make a non appropriation um, and there's a way in possibly which the answer actually weirdly may be yes uh, because like part of what the appropriating um, 
or the, the first appropriation does, especially when successful, is make it part of how music sounds or, or a part of the kind of cultural fabric. Um, and 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 we've talked about this a lot um, with Iggy Azalea, uh, with Graceland, with a few uh, with Diplo, um, that how uh, these are kind of really um, central to how a lot of music um, sounds right now. And so there is a sense of which, like, um, I mean, I guess in some ways, I guess that part of what this does is kind of in a way ratify the first appropriation. It's kind of the thing that, um, you know, the, once the appropriation has been appropriated, then it is, it is just the baseline. Right. Um, and, 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 and that kind of establishes that rather than it kind of going back to the original, um, the source, it's just there in the, um, w- w- easily within reach, right? That is def- that is an interesting that that's an interesting point, and it it goes to this kind of the success of the first appropriation, right? Like or how yeah. you know uh, how things kind of uh, accrue authority uh, as they go on. Well, uh, we have uh, accrued authority as we've gone on, and now I have the authority to call our discussion to an end. Cat, thanks very much for joining us to talk about Megan Trainer, and thank you for suggesting uh, that we do it. You're very welcome anytime. Hopefully a better album next time. Well, hey, it was your choice. The uh, the thing to do if you want to join us and, and, uh, and if you want to join Kat and rip on Megan Trainer <laughs> or talk about her uh, in any way um, is, uh, is to tweet us at TFT Podcast. Find us on Facebook on the Theory for Turntables page or leave a comment on the show notes for this episode. You can go to overthinkingit.com, find this episode on the homepage, uh, click on show notes, and you'll find not only a list of resources there, uh, like lyrics and uh, uh, links to buy this record, if that is something that you would like to do, but also a comment section where we can uh, hash out what's going on uh, with Megan Trainer here. Um, just a f- uh, uh, maybe another week or so before we pivot back to our uh, historical quarter and return to the 1980s. Uh, so uh, it's an exciting, uh, it's an exciting time. What will we, what will we do next? week i can't tell you but i promise whatever we do we will keep it real